and welcome to The Piece of Persistence. I'm your host, Abigail Wright, and today I'm bringing you part two of my interview with the hypnotist and opera singer Nicholas Pallison. If you missed part one, you can find episode seven at www.pieceofpersistence.com or on our YouTube and iTunes channels. Now back to the show. Do you have any habits or traits that you would attribute to your success and happiness in this point in your life? In no particular order. I, I would say that for one thing, I, I definitely practice hypnosis myself every day. Oh, wow. I, I do self-hypnosis a couple of times a day, or even more if I need to. Um, I also make regular use of a lot of the techniques that I teach my clients in sessions. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in giving, you know, when I work with clients, I'm a big believer in giving people tangible, practical tools that they can use themselves to be able to create the changes that they want so that so that the work is very self-directed and they don't need to be very dependent on me. Oh, that's huge. My business model is create raving fans, not lifelong dependents. <laughs> and so I use these tools myself because I've found them to be incredibly beneficial. That if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling energy I don't want to feel, if, if I'm getting thoughts in my head that aren't really working for me, you know, I have tangible ways to be able to manage that and to be able to, to get myself right back, you know, reset myself onto the right path. So I, I use a lot of the techniques I teach clients myself every day. I do regular self-hypnosis. I'm always mindful of just kind of being here now and enjoying this moment, realizing that there's a lot of, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of experiences. There's a lot that's waiting for me in life if I just allow myself to be here now and be open to it. That, you know, if I'm kind of running and racing through my life, trying to get things done, trying to, you know, take that next step in my career, that I feel like, I feel like I miss a lot of really great opportunities and experiences because I'm just so focused on that thing that life just kind of passes me by. So I, so I'm always really mindful of just being in this moment and loving what is, loving the moment that I'm in right now and finding the joy, finding the beauty, finding the lessons in, in each moment. Another thing is I've become incredibly comfortable with not knowing. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that I don't know. You know, one of the reasons that I love being a hypnotist is because there's so much that we don't know about the mind. And so there's always going to be things for me to learn. There's always going to be things for me to discover. And, and so I love the fact that I don't know everything because that gives me something to do for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I love, I love not knowing, you know, where I'm going to be working in a year because I feel like that gives me much more power to kind of choose the path that I want. You know, like the old books, you know, choose your own adventure. I loved those. Aren't those great books? Yes. I love being uncertain because then I feel like I'm open and I'm available to, to let life happen to just let life play out its course. And so, and I feel like too, when I, when I get too caught up in what if, that, that I lose a lot of perspective and I feel like I lose my own power. I feel like my power and anybody's power is, is in what is. You know, what if hasn't happened? What if is something we don't have any control over? But what is, what's happening now, is where our power is because now is where we can take action. Now is where we can make choices. Now is where we can do things 
to help ourselves have more of the what ifs that we want. Yeah. So, so I just, I love being uncertain. I love not knowing what's going to happen because I feel like it just makes life an adventure and, and allows me to always be mindful of what I need to learn in this moment. And I'd say one of the biggest things, and it's something that I've, it's something that I've developed a lot in the last couple of years is, is learning to laugh at myself a lot more mm. and learning to take myself less seriously. You know, anybody who does a session with me knows that, you know, when you come to do a session with me, we're going to laugh a lot. Nice. Because I think that change can be really fun. And laughter, I, you know, one thing that I tell people all the time is that laughter is one of, laughter is one of the easiest, it's one of the fastest, it's one of the most powerful, and quite frankly, it's one of the cheapest ways to change our state. Because when we're laughing, we, we are getting our bodies to produce all that oxytocin, the serotonin, the dopamine, all the other endorphins. We're basically dosing ourselves with drugs that, quite frankly, I think are much more powerful than anything you can get in a pharmacy. And we're naturally giving ourselves these drugs that are going to help us feel better and be happier. And, and also, so I'm always looking to laugh. And, and an interesting thing is, you know, you didn't mention this in the intro, but because this is actually something that's very recent. But I recently became certified as a laughter yoga leader. Oh, what is that? That's wonderful. Laughter, laughter yoga is, is a unique health concept that, that was developed in 1995 by an Indian medical physician named Dr. Madan Kataria and his wife, who was a yoga instructor. And Dr. Kataria was very interested in the research about the health benefits of laughter. And one of the things that he discovered is that we can receive, you know, great physiological and psychological benefits of laughter without even needing humor, without even needing jokes, you know, without really needing a reason to laugh because the research confirms that the body and the brain do not distinguish the difference between real genuine laughter and self-initiated or intentional kind of fake laughter. That whether we're laughing just organically or whether we're laughing intentionally, our bodies are still producing all those happy endorphins. So, so I, I've become you know, a, big, a big advocate of laughter. We laugh in our sessions. I'm laughing at myself all the time. You know, if I forget something at home and I went all the way down from Washington Heights down to my office in Midtown and I forgot something, you know, rather than getting angry and pissed off, I laugh. And, and it's just become such a natural response too. So, you know, and then also just taking myself less seriously because I, I feel like, you know, when I do that, now a lot of these things that sometimes maybe used to feel like a huge deal like the end of the world, or like, how was I ever going to be able to accomplish whatever because of this happened? Now I can just laugh it off and, and be in a much better place. So I would say, I would say that's a big one too. Do you think you'd be as balanced and as happy as you are with only one of your careers if you had to drop one out at this point in your life? That is something that I'm asking myself every day. Um, and the honest answer is, I don't know yet. And I'm kind of okay not knowing. I'm kind of okay being in this moment and living life and seeing what happens. I've gone back and forth about it a lot because 
I actually consider myself a hypnotist who sings, mm. not a singer who does hypnosis. That I feel like my primary focus in life, my, my path, is hypnosis. And that I just happen to sing, you know, as well. But, but that doesn't mean that I look at singing as a side job. I, I actually tell people I feel like I do two full-time careers at the same time. Sure. Both of them have kind of an equal weight. To be honest, I, I feel like that in order to keep that balance, I need to have both in my life. I need to have them both in my life, my singing work and my hypnotherapy work. But to be really honest, I don't think that I've found the right balance for me yet. And I think what I've suspected for a long time is that that balance for me is going to mean that I cut back on my performing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I just, I don't know. I, I love, I love my hypnosis work so much. I love being able to, you know, sit in a room with someone and watch them take this immense journey of growth and courage and watching them f become empowered to really be their best selves. And to be really honest, every success that, that any of my clients have, for me, is much more fulfilling than any standing ovation I've ever received as a mm. performer. That's beautiful. You know, because, and I, and I feel like as performers, and as a performer myself, I feel like I do have an impact on people through the work that I do. I don't think I'd be performing where I'm performing if I didn't. Sure. But there's something about being able to have that one-on-one -on -one contact and being able to watch tangibly people grow and change through the course of the work that I think brings me a fulfillment and satisfaction and a joy. You know, the other night I was, I, I, I was doing, you know, eight sessions. Last week I had eight sessions in one day. And there were some amazing breakthroughs that happened in the course of that, those sessions. And I, you know, I came home from that just smiling, grinning, just feeling like my heart was bursting with joy and, and satisfaction and fulfillment and life. To the point where I was up till like two in the morning, I couldn't go to bed because I was so excited about what these people had accomplished. You know, that's not an excitement that I get very often when it comes to performing. Wow. You know, um, I do get it. And there are, I, you know, one way that I always put it is there are many times, there are many times when I love performing, but I always love doing hypnotherapy work. And, and so as part of that balance, what, I've, what I'm doing now to kind of get that right balance for me is I'm being much more mindful about the performing work that I do. Right now I am performing probably a little more than I'd like to be because I'd like to spend more time, you know, seeing clients. I'd like to spend more time teaching workshops and doing that one-on-one -on -one work. So I feel like now I'm at a place to where I feel like my performing life is just completely on my terms. So if there's a gig that interests me, for whatever reason, if it's a role I like, if it's a city I want to be in, if it's a cast I want to work with, if you know it's a character I want to explore, then I'll do it. How wonderful. Yeah. And but if but if it doesn't resonate with me, I don't do it. I I don't take work now just for the sake of taking work. I only do the things that speak to me in some way. 
So it means I've turned down a lot of work, you know, but now I'm only doing work that I want to do. And I feel like when you're doing things you love and when you, you know, doing things you want to do, you just naturally do them better. So I feel like making that decision, taking ownership of that choice, that like my singing career is going to be completely on my terms, I think has actually helped me be a better performer. Because now I go in and it's something I want, it's something that inspires me. And so because it gets that juice you know, flowing inside of me, I feel like I have a whole lot more to offer as a performer. So, so yeah, so I think that's one way that I've been really working to do that balance is to be much more mindful and that it has, if, if I'm going to take a gig, there has to be a really good reason for me to do it. And if not, I'd just rather be in my office seeing clients. That's wonderful. Yeah. It sounds like you were back and forth for a really long time. How did you finally decide that you were a hypnotist who sings? I was back and forth for many, many years. And, and I still, to this day, remember an experience that happened over the span of five days that completely changed my life. You know, several times throughout this journey, I had had those moments where it was kind of like somebody came up and slapped me in the face and said, dude, like, you're a hypnotist, own it. Huh. You know, this is your path. You know, and, and I'd been like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally need to do that. You know, but then all the fear came back. Oh, but what are people going to think? What is all that stuff? Then, a few years ago, I, I made my debut at Carnegie Hall. Ah. And I was singing the lead baritone role in a concert performance of Beatrice di Tenda with the, the Collegiate Chorale and, and several soloists. And, and it was exciting. It was my Carnegie Hall debut, and I was going to be doing a leading role in a really great high-profile concert. That's great. I, I was sharing the stage with Angela Mead, with Jamie Barton, who you know is the Cardiff Singer of the World, and Angela and Jamie and I had both been in the audition together, the, the Met Finals that year. And then Michael Spires, who I think is one of the most ridiculously talented tenors in the world. We've, we did, uh, after this Carnegie Hall thing, we did Benvenuto Cellini. I love that show. And Michael is an unbelievable talent and one of the most generous and genuine human beings I've ever met in this business. But anyway, <clears throat> so I'm doing this concert with these like rock star opera singers, okay? And I'm doing my debut at Carnegie Hall. And I remember, you know, walking out on the stage. And, you know, when we did the dress rehearsal, it was my first time walking out on that stage, walking up to the front of the stage. And I had a bit of an OMG moment. Oh, yeah. Like, crap, I'm at Carnegie Hall. This is awesome. Somewhere I've wanted to sing for a long time. You know, and then I had this really interesting experience during the performance. I were doing the performance, and we did one of those, you know, finales you know, where everybody's singing and it's one of those concertante kind of things where the soloists are all doing their own thing and then the chorus is, you know, singing something in the background. And it's, it's the only time really in the opera that all of us were on stage. And I was interacting with the people on stage. And, and I remember specifically looking at Jamie Barton and looking at Michael Spires. And I remember looking at them and you could tell, you could just tell that they were just loving every moment of being there. You know, that they were just loving singing, that they were loving the whole experience, that there was just this real genuine joy at, at being there and sharing this experience with the audience. And I remember looking at them and then going, you know, I'm not really feeling that. Wow. You know, I'm, 
I'm kind of feeling more like, this is cool, like I'm singing a concert at Carnegie Hall, awesome. And, and after the concert, you know, I go off stage, my, some of my family came, friends come backstage to kind of congratulate me, and they're like, oh, Carnegie Hall debut, awesome, aren't you so excited, what, what an awesome experience, and I was like, yeah, it was cool, <laughs> yeah, it was fun, you know? But I remembered looking at them and being like, you know what, you can totally tell that Jamie and Michael love being here. And I just kind of, I'm just enjoying it. You know, I, I don't have that same love. And fast forward to five days later, I went to Juilliard where I went to school. I did an artist diploma there. I went to Juilliard to teach a workshop for my hypnosis work for the performers and all the, the whole Juilliard community. And I taught this class, and it was amazing. It was one of the coolest classes that I've still, to this day, ever taught. Such great questions, everyone was so interested, engaged, and we had a really great discussion, did some awesome playing with various techniques. Everyone did an awesome job with the hypnosis that I did in the class. And after, you know, and. The, the class, the, the, the room was like full. It was packed. There were people sitting on the floors. There were people like lined up against the walls. And after the class, almost every single person stuck around to talk to me for over an hour after that class. Nice. Coming up and saying things like, you know, thank you so much for doing this class. It was so helpful. You know, I really appreciate it. It just, it really helped me in ways you could never understand. Other people saying, thank you so much for letting us know that we're not alone. Mm. You know, thank you for, you know, I've been struggling with all these things for a long time and I never know, knew what to do about it. I never knew where to turn. Thank you for, you know, being a resource and letting me know that there is somewhere I can turn. A bunch of people were asking me if they want to do individual sessions and stuff. And, you know, you could tell that it had, had this impact on their life. For Like I said, for an hour, I was there answering questions. I went back to my apartment on this high that I had never experienced in my life to where I was up until like four in the morning. I couldn't sleep because I was just so excited and so touched by what people were saying and the experience that they had had that I felt like I actually made a difference. I felt like I did something for someone and helped make them better in some small way. And so, and I, you know, and so I've had this immense fulfillment and joy, and then contrast that to five days before, where I'm at Carnegie Hall, where I'm supposed to be super excited, and, you know, my dream, you know, it's like a dream for singers to go perform at Carnegie Hall, and contrast that to the experience I'd had there, where I was like, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is fun, awesome. And I was like, you know what, I think that's a really big sign. And then a couple days later, I was at the Met, covering in a show and and in this particular show a lot of covers had gone on and we're all sitting in the green room and you know I'm kind of joking around about oh who's going to be next you know because a lot of covers had gone on and and somebody turned to me and and said well Nicholas you know what would happen if they called you and you went on you know would you be scared would you be excited you know what, what you know what if they called you that morning and said okay now you're on and and I and I said yeah, it would be cool. It would be fun, you know, and, and immediately I thought back to that class I just taught 
And I thought back to some of the amazing breakthroughs that my clients had had that past week in sessions. And I said, but you know, it would be really cool, it would be fun if it happened, but to be really honest, it wouldn't be nearly as exciting as the things that I've been able to watch clients achieve in this last week. And I believed it. That's incredible. Like I knew as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, yeah, that's totally true. And that's my story. And so from that moment on, I said, okay, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to be a singer, you know, and I'm going to keep singing because there is a part of me that needs to sing. There's a part of me that needs that outlet. I'm never going to stop singing. You know, there's a part of me that needs that in my life, but I'm going to be a hypnotist who sings. And from that day on, my life has changed and I've never been happier. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Laugh more, obviously, but do you have any other advice for us? Challenge some of those beliefs that, that maybe you had been holding on to. You know, one of people come into my office all the time, like I mentioned before, with these these ideas of, oh, you're, you know, I'm always, I always get nervous. I'm, I'm an anxious person. You know, I'm always stressed. You know, I've been depressed for, you know, this long. Um, you know, I, I, you're always going to have performance anxiety. You know, people come in with all of these beliefs that I think that they've, like I said, they've started believing and they've started internalizing into who they are. I tell people that, you know, you are not your problem. You are not your anxiety. You are not your depression. You're not any of those things. Those are just things that you're doing. They're not who you are. And I know that sometimes it feels like change can be hard. And I think on many levels, I think we've been conditioned to believe that change is hard. And to which I tell people, well, look, if, if you believe that change is hard, it's going to be hard for you to change. Um, so what I've found is that a lot of times the suffering and the anxiety and the stress that I've dealt with in my life has come when I'm kind of fighting against reality, when I'm believing thoughts that probably aren't true. And, or I've found that there's a lot, you know, what I call kind of dissonance. You know, that when I've experienced a lot of dissonance in my life, it's been in moments where I'm not living authentically true to my story. Mm. You know, that I'm not really living true to myself. And so, you know, for classic example, I went back and forth, this whole idea of balance of, you know, am I a hypnotist who sings? Am I a singer who does hypnosis? You know, when I first, when this work started really exploding, probably about six or seven years ago, I... I, I kind of freaked out because I was like, there was this, there was this, you know, thing of, I really love this work and I'm really amazing at it and I'm helping a lot of people and it's really, really fulfilling. It's really fulfilling, but I'm, I'm a singer mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to be a singer. You know, that's what I've trained to do and I'm having success at it. I'm good at it. So I need to be a singer. But like, there's this thing that really makes me really happy. And this makes me happy too, you know enough to where I'm doing it, but, but, but that's what I need to do, you know? And, and it caused me a lot of stress. It caused me a lot of anxiety in my life because I think it was this, it was this dissonance. It was this, you know, supposed to be, should be, have to be versus who I am.
And, and I feel that that is really what causes a lot of the, the problems in our life is when we feel like, you know, we're supposed to be something or we should be something or have to be something. When really the only, I think the only person you're supposed to be is you. And, and so I tell people, you know, let go of supposed to be's, let go of should be's, let go of have to be's and just embrace who you are. Because I think that's where a lot of genuine peace and joy comes from by authentically living your story. So I had to do that myself. It, I, I remember to this day that the day that I kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, because, you know, about my hypnotherapy work, because for a while, you know, I, I wasn't very out about it, sure. you know, because I was, I was having a lot of forward momentum as a singer, I was having a lot of success, and because, you know, sometimes people have this idea in our profession that if you do something other than singing, you know, you must not be good enough, or you're not serious enough, or you don't care enough, or whatever. People come up with all sorts of stigmas about that, and I bought into it. An, an, an example of something that I believed that, you know, I believed a thought, and it got in my way. And, you know, so I fought against that for years. Oh, you know, but what are people going to think? You know, are they going to think that I've quit singing? Are they think they're going to think that I've given up singing? You know, all sorts of thoughts went in my mind. And I remember the, the day that I finally said, you know what? You know, I'm going to be a hypnotist who sings. And I, I felt this immense peace in my life. And yet, when I sent that email to people kind of coming out of the closet... I still remember that I cried as I pushed send. Oh, wow. Because I was like, what's going to happen? What sort of a response am I going to get? And you know what's crazy? Like, all that response I thought was going to happen didn't, never happened. I got nothing but support. I got nothing but love and encouragement from everybody who I talked to. And the crazy thing is, my singing career got better too. Because now I've embraced that idea that I'm a hypnotist who sings. And that's a totally unconventional path. That's totally not what they, you know, told me in graduate school and my artist diploma and young artist programs. That's totally not the path that we were, you know, shown. This is the path to being a successful singer. Right. But you know what? It's not that path at all, but I am damn happy living it because it's my path. And so... Remember that you are the only person who gets to decide what happiness, what fulfillment, what success mean to you. You're the only person that gets to decide that because it's your life. And if you feel drawn to something that maybe isn't the traditional path, play with it, explore it, see what happens. Because you never know what might come of that. And, 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 and have that courage to to let go of supposed to be, to let go of have to be, to let go of should be, and really embrace who you are, whatever that is. Nicholas, I, I've been so inspired just to like hear your story and to hear how far you've come and all of the amazing work that you do. You're such an inspiration. I'm so grateful that you decided to come and share your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on The Peace of Persistence. As always, give us some love with your comments and reviews, and share us with your friends if you liked today's episode. If you want to hear more, there's always an extended audio version of each of our episodes on our iTunes podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to find more ways to balance the happiness and success in your life. But if we forget what really makes us sing and dance at night, it's the other people around and our dreams that lift us up from underground.